party. Thank you um, uh, to Brother Matt for covering for us. My goodness. And um, uh, I sat spellbound. Very nicely done, brother. And uh, um, it's not many teachers that would have uh, shared with us um, the Mark and sandwiches. But we are uh, thankful that you did. And it also connotes that you are something of a student of Scripture. And so uh, we're very thankful for that. Glad to have you with us. And uh, you may be called upon again <laughs> to cover for us. And I feel very, very comfortable uh, with giving it over to your hands. It's very nice. Nicely done. Uh, enjoyed the whole, the, the whole thing. Uh, by the way, I would have suggested to you, I think in your introduction, you talked about you were trying to decide which way to go. Had you gone to Romans 4 and 5, you know, to talk about justification, it would have been just great with me. Uh, I think that was good thinking. And uh, uh, maybe next time, eh, have we go, <laughs> go that direction. Very good. Okay, today we're at chapter 3. Chapter 3. Uh, my, my, I, sometimes I, you, you all know that we're going to next move to the book of Leviticus. And so I study well ahead of time. I've been studying for about three weeks already in the book of Leviticus. And sometimes I kind of get lost in between Leviticus, James, <laughs> and my own personal study. Um, but, uh, uh, I'm excited about, uh, the things to come, not only from the book of James, but also as we move over to Leviticus. Leviticus kind of struck a, um, uh, a note of fear in my heart, for uh, it can be complicated and difficult, but I'm looking forward to it now, I'm, uh, having studied well ahead uh, of that. And uh, um, so that's kind of where we're at in our preparations um, and thank, uh, thanks very much to Brother Matt for his covering last week. We really appreciate it very much. Chapter 3, let's pray together before we study. Our Heavenly Father, we ask that you be with us this morning, right in here, in your presence, that your spirit will speak to us, open our hearts, open our mouths, Anoint us with your spirit, and we pray, dear Father, that you will be pleased with our study together as we study this marvelous letter that you have preserved for us, this letter of James. Bless it to our hearts and to our minds, we pray in Christ's name, amen. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers. Amen. Amen. <laughs> um, <laughs> knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. There it is. So the next time you get to wondering if you want to be a teacher or so, <laughs> you need to think through that whole process. Um, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. I want to take this in pieces. I want to... Uh, First, read verses 1 through 12, which we'll focus on today and try to finish the text. If we don't get to it today, we'll finish it next week. 
My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive, he says, we, teachers, shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. He doesn't mean perfect in the absolute perfection kind of thing, but rather mature. He is the one that has control in his life. Uh, indeed, we put, uh, for we all stumble in all things. If anyone does not stumble, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. The word bridle being one of those words that connect the thought. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Indeed, we put, uh, look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by the very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. <coughs> Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles? My Bible has an exclamation mark, and that's a good place to put it. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. Whew, whew, Wow. Strong language this man has in describing the effects of the tongue. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison, deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives? Or a grapevine bear figs. Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Wow. <coughs> you recall in verse, uh, or in chapters one and two, the primary focus of James has been on doing the word. It, 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 uh, the word of God has to be, and your faith has to be uh, exhibited in works, even goes so far as to pen those controversial words, not controversial to me at all, um, uh, th that you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works, faith was made perfect. That's uh, verse 22. I think that's an accurate description of what James was trying to say. He is not trying to say that the works justified, that is, made man righteous by any stretch, but rather they were the evidence, the completeness of the faith that they had in Christ. And that's uh, been the focus of his uh, uh, letter up to now. 
But now he changes something and he begins to deal with the issue of the tongue. He does not mean the physical tongue. Well, yes, he does. <laughs> um, it's about the physical tongue. But when he uses the word tongue, it's, it's um, analogical as possible, as, as uh, uh, in addition to just being a part of the body. The tongue represents the things that we say. And um, I wish that maybe one of these days I have two or three sermons in a series that I did years ago. I haven't done it in a long time about the tongue, dealing with some of the difficulties that we were having at the time of those who were somewhat confused by unknown tongues, a concept rather foreign to me, because the book of Acts lists the tongues. Okay, but that's too much uh, controversy for this point. Uh, but the tongues... Uh, the, and the discussion about the tongue can be complicated, can be controversial. Um, and so um, I recognize that as we launch into this study. But the first thing he starts with, I just thought it was kind of funny. Funny to me as a teacher, okay? Because I already know this. <laughs> I already know it. Uh, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Teachers in that day, not everybody was a college grad. It's not like we had people walking around with master's degrees and so forth um, in, in those churches back then. Many of them were not even literate in the sense that we think of literacy. And so the teacher had status in the churches at that time. It was a position of some status and respect. And so many wanted to be teachers, of course. Makes sense in a way. But James, this, uh, this learned man, uh, when I think about what James writes here and his techniques, I haven't gone into, as Matt did last week, when he went in to talk about Mark sandwiches and stuff like that, and he talked about the structure of those scriptures, which connotes what? That Mark was a very learned man. Even not some, what do my atheist friends call him? Goat herders from the first century. No, no. He was extremely familiar with the uh, great old Roman world, and with Greek literature and logic and a whole bunch of other things. These are not chumps that we're talking about. James is no chump. He is not an unlearned, he's a learned man. These people know what they're doing. And the Lord is also helping, of course, as he does when he inspires scripture. But they're not, um, uh, what do they call it? They're not just robots going along and doing what God tells them and, and funneling language through them, they're using their own skills, their own. God is using them to set forth inspired scripture. And he does so with, with James. James is a very learned man. I really appreciate that. Apparently, James, as we said during the introduction, was converted to Christ later in his life. 
In the beginning, he was not a Christian person and a follower of Christ, his brother, his half-brother. Uh, uh, but he was converted. Then he, we see him in the book of Acts rise to a, a position of power there in Jerusalem. That is, he's leader in the church. And uh, so James, this young man, uh, unlearned in some ways from Bethlehem and, and, and Nazareth, wow, he writes some stuff that is amazing in its structure and in its uh, uh, grasp of literature and rhetorical devices. We have, we have tried not to waste your time too much on rhetorical devices, the, the techniques that writers use in, in setting forth uh, writings and their work. Uh, but there's a reason for that. The Bible is full of them. And so we need to at least be conversant with Mark's sandwiches. That kind of thing. It is not just a joke. It's not just, it's a strategy that Mark had. It's a strategy that James has. These men are not writing just offhand. They're inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. And so he says, let not many of you become teachers knowing that you receive a stricter judgment. Uh, I got to be careful here. It doesn't mean that, that, uh, that if you don't do your job well, that God's going to send you to hell, okay? <laughs> That's not what he's talking about. He's saying that when you do become a teacher, um, responsibility sets in on you. And it especially is needful as we begin to talk about the tongue. I get the opportunity to stand up here and say a lot of words. But attached to those words is much responsibility. To whom much is given, much also is required. And that's a principle that applies when we are teachers I've been a teacher and a preacher since the early 90s. How long is that? That's a long time. And I've already learned my lesson how many times? 100, 200, that you need to be cautious about what you say when you're a teacher, a preacher, and someone standing in front that has the attention of the congregation. You need to be very careful. And you need to be telling truth and not making jokes as I often do. <laughs> okay. I've learned my lessons. But still, as I wrote to Dell, I think, when I was talking with Dell, and I said, I'm 81 years old and God is still teaching me and has to work hard to teach this stupid man. I still am apt to say the wrong thing. May God help me as we finish our course here to get better and better because we know that we have a stricter judgment. We're expected, there's more expected from those of us who teach. I was going to say, it's a bit of a historical note, 
I haven't got time to tell you the whole thing, but it became clear to me no more than a year after I had been converted to Christ that I was being called to ministry in some sense. Scared the daylights out of me. I had heard preachers talk about it and everything like that. I wanted nothing to do with that. Nothing. I don't know. I'm only one person. But I wasn't a real happy person to go into ministry. Not really. I just had a strong, compelling need, desire to do so. Because I actually thought that it was a kind of a a difficult position and it turned out to be exactly what I thought. (laughs) It is difficult to be a leader in a church and in a congregation and to have people looking to you for advice, for truth, um, for ways to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not an easy thing. And we know that we will receive a stricter judgment for that. For we all stumble in many ways, verse two. If anyone does not stumble in his word, he is a perfect man. He's adult, I mean, he is mature. He is able to bridle the whole body. You guys probably know some like that. And, and I, I really appreciate those who have that ability. But uh, uh, we're not talking about a, a pure perfection. We're talking about a maturity and able to bridle the whole body and bridle the tongue. Indeed, and then he uses illustrations. We put bits in horses' mouths that we may, uh, but they may obey us and we turn their whole body. Do you ever, do you ever wonder why horses are so obedient to that? <laughs> but they seem to be. And um, uh, I didn't grow up around horses, but I love horses and I think that's kind of cool. And um, uh, it is amazing how from a, a bridle, you can direct a 1,500 pound animal or more. Wow, that's pretty impressive. And he's likening the tongue to that. Indeed, look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by the very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Uh, Again, how true is that? As um, uh, massive um, ships some of the tankers that we see in today, and yet the rudder, by comparison, is fairly small. And they can turn those things. Although I do want you to know that tankers don't turn nearly as quickly as perhaps ships in the first century. Some of those tankers, they have to begin a turn something like two miles ahead of themselves. It's amazing. Uh, It's pretty impressive. But nonetheless, it is driven by a small thing, the rudder, which he likens the tongue to. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Wow. Do you guys remember the recent fires in Hawaii? Now, I'm not here to attest to the truth of this, 
but they discovered that there was a spark, apparently from an electrical line, that started that flame. One spark, flash in the forest somewhere, and burnt a goodly portion of that little island. My goodness. And he likens the tongue to that spark. Does a lot of damage. If you want to do damage to a relationship, for instance, let yourself run off at the mouth. Excuse me, I speak from experience. <laughs> Not one to guard his lips early on. Um, uh, I've been known as pretty straightforward and honest, but I also can be brutal. Loving people should not be brutal in their language. Does anybody want to take me on? No. <laughs> no, I, somehow I've kind of left off some of that. I, I think it's age. I think it's called age. But I guarantee you that of any problems I've had in my life, they almost all began with what I said. Decisions here, decisions there, comments here, comments there. It's like a spark in a forest fire. What do we do with this? How do we learn to control the lips and the words that we speak? And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. If there's any way that Satan finds a way to influence us, it's by our mouth and the words that we speak. The tongue is set among our members that it is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell. Those are strong, strong words. And we all have tongues. We all speak. As a matter of fact, our whole lives are made up of something of speech. For every kind of beast and bird or reptile or creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. True today. People ride elephants and giraffes and think, no, do they ride giraffes? I don't know. So, but uh, all animals have been tamed for the most part. Pythons, rattlesnakes, those kind of things. But not the tongue. Wow. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. What I just said. With it we bless our God and Father. We go down to prayer. And we're confessing him. And we're praising him. And we're thanking him. And then, in another moment, we're saying stupid stuff. 
Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Oh, goodness, help us, Lord, I say, to tame this tongue. He's talking about something that's rather common in, in, um, in what we call it, Israel at the time. They depended a lot. Some communities did on springs that, um, uh, springs that they discovered. Some of them were brackish. They were salt, saltish, so they couldn't be used. And they were coming up out of the ground, appearing like a, like a spring. But he's using that as an example that should not be. It shouldn't be salt water and fresh water coming up at the same time. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Uh, can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Appealing to that common knowledge of the people that he is writing to. We can learn from it too. Uh, uh, first, we have to become aware of a situation or a problem that we have if we're going to try to cope with it. This is one of the biggest challenges in all of our lives is to control the tongue and what we say to people. I just flashed in front of me a uh, relationships that I have lost in a single conversation. One conversation, words said wrongly, and he was gone. I haven't seen him since. That's sad. Because it's my mouth Thanks be to God that he has helped over the years in trying to uh, get this under some control. So we've made our point, I think, that the tongue is perhaps one of the most evil things that we have to cope with and the mo one of the most difficult things that we have to deal with in terms of sanctification in our daily walk with Christ so as a teacher I would encourage you to be aware of these things and to begin the work now if you haven't already done these things many of you have achieved what I would say is remarkable success in this regard I know some of you and I, I really do appreciate your ability to control the tongue and I covet it I really, truly do. Let's move on then. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. You know, here's James writing to these people that... We haven't identified exactly, but that have been spread around the Mediterranean world. He's going after them a bit, isn't he? And he's trying to deal with what he's heard from 
some of these people as they visited Jerusalem and so forth. Wow, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. The wisdom does not, this wisdom does not descend, descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. He uses the term demonic. From demons. Have you encountered any demons in the modern world? I guarantee you that I have. If you were with me on Quora just for a day, (laughs) you'd be aware that demons are still at work. They have no respect for God. They are able to com- they are able to insult him in the worst possible ways. And they try to influence people to do the same. And then they'll put down at the bottom adding comments disabled. Don't you love it? <laughs> Here's the deal. They're deathly afraid of me. I know demons. I know where they're from. I know how they talk. I know what they say. And they're scared of me. But they're out there And I want you to know that you have to deal with that nonsense if you're going to engage the world on behalf of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But here he's talking about bitter envy. Look at verse 14. Bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts. Do not boast and lie against the truth. And then he calls that wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Wow. I was going to give an example. I've probably told it before, but I remember one team. Marla, you'll love this. Um, One time, uh, Dell was covering for pastor. I forget what the circumstances were, and he's going to be preaching that morning, and we were sitting over there. And (coughs) before the service began, he was expressing his kind of concern for on on his message and everything. And I said, well, Dell, I said, I'll tell you what, you just get up there and you do uh, what the Lord leads you to do. And then, and then we'll talk afterwards and I'll kind of give you some feedback. And so he said, okay. And so he got up there and preached for 45 minutes and, (laughs) and did, did just fine, you know. And everything, and uh, I came back, and and he sat down, and after the uh, uh, communion service and everything, we 
I turned and said, well, what do you think? And he said, well, what do you think? And I said, well, I thought you did a fairly good job. There was one major thing. His face kind of dropped, you know. (laughs) Oh, my. I said, during one illustration, you said the Cubs were better than the Cardinals. I said, that's, that's awful. <laughs> so uh, I was just trying to use words. That's the kind of thing that gets you in trouble. But, <laughs> but uh, when I saw this change in Dell's face and it just kind of sank when he, he thought I had some wicked uh, advice for him or something. So no, uh, I love Dell. I love Dell and his family. And I told them so just recently. Uh, uh, I, I love the people of our church. I believe that we have many people that have gained good control over their tongue. Much better than I. I admire it. I think it's extremely beautiful, biblically speaking. It's maturity in the faith to be able to control the tongue even I have taken to saying, I refuse to answer that. Three or four times yesterday, I was challenged in this very thing, and I decided not to say anything. Thanks be to God for that. And so, because uh, uh, it could have only produced animosity in the people involved. And so maybe I'm doing a little bit better. <laughs> it's, I got a ways to go and may God be pleased to give us some additional time so that we um, will be able to face that stricter judgment with confidence. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, dear Lord, for the opportunity to stand in front of your children and to teach from your holy scriptures that which you've given the writer James to communicate to us using the expert kind of approach that he has. And Lord, we hear the message this morning. The Bible is replete with such warnings. Uh, We think of the book of Proverbs and Psalms that speak to this whole issue and other writers in the New Testament, Jesus himself, about the wickedness of the tongue It's still with us today, Father. We desire to tame it and to use it for good in every circumstance. May you be in the hearts of every hearer today, helping them to accomplish this wonderful thing that we might be perfect, mature Christians and servants of yours. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.